Hey there, Powder Cake fans. This is episode 134 of the Powder Cake Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs, innovators, and leaders building remarkable tech companies in areas decidedly outside of Silicon Valley. I'm your host, Matt Hunkler, and on today's show, we've got a really cool conversation with a recent interview and live Q&A that we hosted with a very special guest, Scott Craigie, who is the managing director at Techstars and the co-founder and former CEO at Moby Tango. And um, I I say it's a cool conversation because I I feel like we got into so much meat right now and so much that can be helpful to people in such a crazy time of crisis. I'm recording this introduction to this uh, interview on April 15th of 2020. We're well into the uh, declaration of pandemic of the coronavirus situation that's happening globally. And uh, I I think this is a really great opportunity for people to learn from someone who has led through two economic downturns, which of course are very different than what what we're seeing right now, but there are some lessons to be learned. And I feel like Scott shared a lot of that wisdom in this episode. Uh, We talk all about how to make decisions and make adjustments and really execute uh, in the ever-changing economic environment that we're experiencing right now. I'm sure we'll see again in the future. And uh, we also answer questions from the Powder Keg community live on this show. And I feel like some really great questions were asked. uh, And of course, Scott really delivers some amazing answers here. So uh, we have a bunch of great guests lined up for future events. I just wanted to mention that before we jump into the episode. Um, We are trying to get you as much real-time information as possible and real-time advice and experts that we turn to as advisors and people nationally um, and even globally that are willing to share some of their best advice for how to get through this and how we can all get through this together. So if you want to check those out, go on over to powderkeg.com slash events. Uh, would love to have you on a future live stream event, one of our virtual events like we had here with Scott Craigie. Um, so check that out at uh, powderkeg.com slash events. Now, Scott Craigie is uh, a wonderful person. Uh, He is an exceptional entrepreneur and a serial entrepreneur at that. No stranger to growing tech companies during a recession, he founded Moby in 2010, scaling the company from zero to 40 million in ARR, that's annual recurring revenue, and leading to a successful exit, which was the acquisition by Tango in 2018. Before that, he co-founded Bluefish Wireless in 2001 and bootstrapped growth to the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies list three years in a row, doing that from the recession following 9-11. So today he's also the co-owner of the Vogue venue in Broad Ripple, which is actually where we had our last live event in person. Uh, event, I should say, in Broad Ripple, in the Broad Ripple neighborhood of Indianapolis. Um, and then Scott Craigie is also now the managing director at the Techstars Heritage Accelerator. Um, the Heritage Group is an amazing organization. A lot of people don't know it's located right here in the Midwest. Uh, we talk a little bit about it here on the show. So I hope you enjoy this episode and gain some valuable insight from Scott's experience. Uh, he is a humble dude, but brings so much wisdom and uh, really delivers it for us in this episode. So without any further ado, here's Scott Craigie. Scott, welcome to the show. Matt, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, it's great to be here as we all try and navigate these uh, these new offices of ours for at least at least most of us. So I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Absolutely. It's, it's definitely interesting times. We're certainly adapting. And I, I know you and I had a chance to connect on a call uh, a couple of weeks ago when this was just starting to happen, just starting to shift. We had to move our 
in-person lunch to a virtual uh, lunch, so to speak. And uh, we were both still kind of wrapping our minds around it. I know you had just gotten off a call with dozens of CEOs uh, mm -hmm. who were all sharing sort of what they were thinking about uh, and getting their questions answered. I know your mission in life is really to help CEOs and scaling tech companies navigate these waters. And I'd love to just dive into some of those topics if you're open to it. Uh, yeah, I'd love to. Well, I'd love to get a little bit more context from your experience of starting Bluefish back in 2001. Uh, and then, of course, starting Moby in 2009, 2010 mm -hmm. timeframe, too, both kind of in the wake of some pretty big recessions. Was that something that you felt or did you were you kind of oblivious to it in the sense of I hadn't really started a company in any other circumstance? So this just seemed like business as usual. Yeah. Um, let, let me first off by, let me, let, let me say, um, th these are, I mean, I don't need to say it again, but these are unprecedented times. So uh, again, thanks for having me to be um, included in this dialogue with, with your network and your community is pretty special. So, I mean, if I can just bring um, maybe a moment of peace or distraction or um, reduce the anxiety levels by a tick. Uh, I think that uh, I, I, I appreciate the opportunity. So thanks for giving me the chance of, of this on this platform. Um, you, you know, both of the um, I've started. I don't know, maybe five or six businesses. Um, two of the most successful ones, as you mentioned, were started during an economic crisis, two thousand one. We actually had a, 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 a our launch party September 1st, 2001, so 10 days prior to the Twin Towers getting hit, which was just crazy and surreal. Um, and then in, when we launched Moby in 2009, you know, well, it wasn't 2008, so like the dramatic fallout had already happened. And then we were in a point of, holy cow, should we do this? Is this the right move for us? Is this the right place to invest our crap capital? A boot, uh, we bootstrapped both businesses early on, um, which was good and bad. And I, I can get into that in a minute. Um, but to, to answer your question directly, it, it wasn't intentional. Um, I, I just, I, I feel like I'm just an entrepreneur. And if you're an entrepreneur, you have a certain grit, you have a certain um, ethos about you where you see a challenge and you want to go over after it. And Yes, the challenge in front of us right now and the challenge back then was huge. Uh, a lot of people said are insurmountable or it would take years and years to grow out of. Um, and that's what folks are saying right now. But it, if you have the spirit of an entrepreneur, you kind of don't care. Uh, you kind of look at that as a, as a very unique opportunity to say, well, sh well shoot, if I, can, if I can do it now, right? I can, I can do it anytime. If I can build something that's successful today, it'll be really successful in the future. Absolutely. Well, and I know you probably learned a lot about what can help people through a time like this, leading a team, building a team through an economic crisis. And, and of course, unprecedented times right now, but the closest thing we can compare to is some of these recessions that you scaled and built teams throughout uh, in 2001 and 2009. Do you have any advice for people who are currently building a team or are part of a team that's scaling? during an economic crisis in terms of mindset? Yeah, so um, every move that you're gonna make right now, um, 
uh, it needs to be looked at under a lens that wasn't looked at a few weeks ago. I mean, every everybody who's starting a business from a hiring standpoint, that is a very dangerous position, whether or not you're in this current environment or, or not. Uh, making that first hire is a process that should not just be taken on by you in a silo or in a vacuum. Um, you should look to your mentors, your advisors. You should read as much as you can about hiring the right person. But building a team, if you're, if you're bringing on someone new, is a very delicate situation. Now, what, the, the, there's a couple different, I'll give you another answer about creating and crafting a great team in an environment like this in a second. But um, I was talking to a founder the other day and they were thinking about hiring an engineering resource and this was their first engineering resource. And we hit the pause button and we didn't hit the pause button from a cash standpoint. We didn't hit it from a market standpoint. We hit it from a talent standpoint in that there are gonna be a lot of great, highly skilled, highly talented people that are on the bench, that are on the market here very soon. And they will go, they will drift towards the best founders. Um, not even necessarily the best ideas. Like six weeks ago, it was maybe the best, the best engineer would drift towards the best idea, but that's gonna change slowly if it hasn't already. The next few weeks, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna migrate to those best founders possible. Um, so uh, take your time, be very thoughtful, be very prescriptive. Um, if you're not writing down thoughts, actually going, op opening up a page in your notebook or, or getting in front of a blank screen and typing out your thoughts about hiring a person, don't hire that person. Like go, be very prescriptive in the way you do it. Go through that throughout the thoughtful exercises. Um, let's talk about building a, an existing team because what's happening today if if you're building something and you're maybe doing it part-time and somebody else is doing it part-time and you got a group of four or five folks that are uh, not fully engaged and they've all got maybe another job that's helping support them, there's a really good chance they're gonna lose that job or there's, that job is gonna be shifted towards a different direction. Now you've got an existing resource that potentially becomes a full-time resource. And that's really unique too um, because you two, as a team are never gonna have an opportunity like this to work together. It's never gonna be as hard as it is right now. Um, so it, taking a step back and, and being very transparent with each other, saying it's never gonna get harder than it is right now. We need to be overly communicative in everything that we do. Um, th that's, that's gonna be a really interesting, I'm excited to see how co-founders um, shoot, there was a startup with the, the they were a married couple, um, and I'm trying. I'm excited to see how they work through this. And you're going to find out very quickly um, the person that you work with from a co-founder perspective if this is the right person that I'm getting on this this journey with. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely heard uh, this is where leaders will stand out and founders will separate themselves as elite founders through this. Um, certainly, the same is true for people who work in tech. Now, you're mentioning these people who are maybe super talented uh, workers are potentially getting laid off, or maybe they were already searching for a job. Uh, now, they're finding less opportunity. Any advice for people who are finding themselves between positions right now and are dealing with navigating this economic crisis? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I feel... Uh, I feel my heart goes out to them. There's a pit in my stomach that that it, this 
snaps back, slowly evolves back, whatever, whatever gets us to back. I hope that it happens um, quickly for those types of folks. Um, but you're right. There, there are a number of people that are coming off um, either a role that just wasn't a great fit and they decided to move on. Um, maybe uh, they were uh, furloughed. Maybe they were let go. Something happened because um, there's a lot of startups that, that aren't going to make it through this process. Um, I, I'm seeing something and I, and I don't know, maybe this might just be my last year um, in the world of going back to this scrappy startup world. But I'm seeing an awful lot of very senior people um, in a range of silos. Um, it used to be maybe just one or two silos, but this range of silos of experience and skill set, um, senior level people that are leaning in from a either part-time or consultative basis. Um, let, let's talk about marketing for a second. Like when we were building Moby five, six, seven years ago to go get three or four full stack marketing people, it's pretty easy to do. Um, we never had a CMO for that entire time just because the CMO skill sets were very um, deep domain expertise in the space that we needed and the, the, the skills that we needed. We needed a very broad range and we just weren't able to find the right, the perfect fit. So we would outsource a lot of those things. Today, what I'm seeing in the marketing world is you could go find an incredible CEO, a full stack CMO that maybe will give you two, three, four days a month for a thousand to four, maybe $5,000 a month. Um, flip that on the other side from a, from a talent perspective. If you're experienced uh, and you have a skill set that you can lead to towards these types of startups or scale ups, go ahead and lean in from a consultative perspective and try and rack up three or four businesses under your belt and all of a sudden you may be in a situation where you're earning more than you were with your and have a little bit more free time and a little bit more flexibility with your time than you did as part of that full time. Um, a couple of the businesses that I'm on right now, we're looking for part-time COO work, we're looking for part-time accounting work, um, we're looking for part-time marketing resources, um, we're looking for a PPC guy. Um, so if, and if we're out looking for them, not to say that we're unique, but there are other companies that are out trying to fill gaps in their org chart, maybe with a part-time resource. So take, take a step back and look at that. I really like that idea of figuring out that opportunity of where can I fill in, fill in some of my time, contribute some of my skills and talent, and almost treating that as auditioning both ways, right? Not just auditioning for the job, but the job auditioning for that candidate to say, hey, we might be a great place for you to work when this is a full-time position. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah. great, Scott. Yeah. Sure. A lot changes when you feel a crisis like this, um, the pandemic, the economic crisis. Any advice for setting goals during a crisis timeframe? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, and there, there's a few because this crisis is very different than anything else we've ever been through. So it's, it's, it'll be really easy to go back in three or four years to, to today and, 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 and map it out accurately. So I can't give you a, a, a exact tactic here, but I can say some things that have helped me. And these don't, these not only help in the time of crisis, but this will help you when you're cranking in, you're on all cylinders and you're just trying to expand your market 
rather than fix everything that's going on right now because those are two diff very different tactics. Um, you know, so today what, what I'm doing, um, there's a couple different things and I'll set like micro goals every single day. So I'll, 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 I actually put together just basically a basic, Hey, this is what I have to do every day. There's five things on it. Um, I'm going to check these things off every day. And there's, there is corporate as getting to zero inbox and as personal as get 30 minutes of cardio in every day. Um, so yeah. even setting small things that you could do every single day personally, will be huge. Now, from a leader's perspective, you need to set achievable wins that can happen on a every in between all your standups. So if you have a standup that happens every single day with your team, there better be something that you can check off, something that was a win that happened within those last 24 hours. If you do a weekly, set up some weekly goals that milestones that can be met as an entire team. There, the, the conversations that are going to happen, uh, if you were scaling your business and you were just cranking until March 1st, the stand-up conversations that you were having are way different than right now. And it's going to require you to take a step back, think about some goals that are some easy wins for you. Because the conversations that you're having right now as a team are very different and they're very challenging. They, they suck compared to what they were. They're, just, they're, they're probably terrible. So figure out a way to get some wins in there. And then their progress can be made a couple of different ways. Um, Plugging holes, fixing issues, talking to customers, um, getting a check-in, as simple as getting a check-in. These are all wins that need to be celebrated at a time like this. So take a step back and think about how you can break your week down or if you are doing weekly meetings into day or even half day portions of, of wins and milestones. That smaller time frame piece makes a lot of sense um, when you're thinking about an environment that's changing so quickly. So I, I love that advice around celebrating wins. Any ways that you particularly like to celebrate wins when you were at Moby or maybe ways you're celebrating wins now at Techstars? Yeah, um, back to the Moby days. I mean, we, when, it, when it was early, um, I, my, my co-founder, um, there, were, there were a few of us, but my co-founder and I, Josh Garrett, um, the wins that we celebrated were customer conversations. And those resonated throughout the entire organization, even when we were, I don't know, 10 people, 20 people. And then we got to the point where we were 300 people and they still resonated. And when I say that, coming off of a com customer conversation where they have given you indication about their platform, indication uh, about, about your platform and how well it's going or a, something that happened, uh, they maybe sent you a note that you know, they had a great interaction or you helped them in some way, that was celebrated. Um, and when you celebrate something, that type of customer interaction on a regular basis, it becomes part of the DNA of the company. Um, and that happened forever. And uh, it, it, the, the way it happened with me personally, tactically, was conversations that I had with customers, whether or not they were in passing because I happened to run into them at a conference, or whether or not it was a scheduled one-on-one -on -one that I had with one of our customers. Um, that information, the context of that conversation was relayed. Not always was it roses and perfect and were we doing a great job. But for the majority of the time, there were really positive conversations that we were having. And just to share that positivity with the rest of the organization was yeah. huge. So take, take every interaction that you have with a customer and use it. Put a, you don't have to put a spin on it because it's not. It's, you're having a conversation with your customer. Just fall in love with that and know that you're creating a relationship and a bond that can go on for, for quite a long time. 
um, up until he retired, which was January this year, um, we had sold the business for 12 months. I still had a one-on-one -on -one call with one of our first customers. Like That's I wasn't cool. even at the business anymore. He wasn't even around. He was getting ready to retire. And once a month on a Wednesday at three 30, we'd jump on the phone for 30 minutes and just shoot the breeze and catch up on whatever it was. And that was something that that call was probably on my calendar for like six years. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. That says a lot. Um, I'm going to ask one more question and then I want to get to community Q and a, because we've got some amazing guests right now. I'm seeing founders from Nashville, Tennessee, from Miami down in Florida. Um, and I'm seeing CROs and CFOs from Indianapolis. Uh, we've got some, some great guests, uh, tuning in here. So if you have questions, you can ask them down below using the Q and a function and the raise your hand function. You can even ask your own question live. Um, but Scott, my last question for you is there's a lot of talk right now around transparency and transparency is specifically around leadership. Be transparent, be transparent. It's almost become a little bit of a platitude at this point. How do you view transparency in times like this, in times of crisis? Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking about this today. Um, I was having a conversation yesterday and I have been um, a little probably um, maybe draconian or overly abrasive over the last couple of weeks with some founders, um, just speaking freely, to where I was um, almost like shaking them a little bit, saying, hey, we, you got, we, gotta, we gotta do this, we're gonna do this. Um, that needs to change, right? It can't, it can't go on like that forever. And we're kind of slowly starting to come out of it because we're in a different phase right now for probably the next three to four weeks, at least until here in Indiana, until probably early May, maybe mid-May, maybe early June. Um, and that is gonna change. So, um, I, and, and I don't think that this is something that I've just started to do in my life, but I've, I've started to reflect on it recently where I will um, come out pretty hot and heavy and be 100% transparent, um, no matter what it is on a business, um, no matter how it is on a personal and individual's performance, um, or a, from a customer's perspective or a market perspective. Um, but I will try and get everything on the table possible and then sift that down, start to narrow the aperture on the types of conversations that we're having and the theme of those conversations. Um, because being 100% transparent as a CEO or as a leader, 100% of the time can sometimes put you into a situation where um, you're, 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 you're navigating towards the wrong areas of your business. And it can put you into a little bit of a gray spot where you may need the team focused on certain areas that are maybe lagging or maybe struggling you need to do a better job of showing extra transparency in certain areas than you do other areas. So there's a leadership component to it. That's not just being hundred percent transparent all the time, because that's very slippery um, there. And if you go and ask employees, like, I mean, I work for Techstars right now. I don't want them to be hundred percent transparent on some areas of the business. I just don't One, I don't need to see it Two, It doesn't affect me. Three, there's areas that they should keep to themselves and they should, they should hustle on and they should figure out before they share it with me. 
Um, and I'm totally comfortable with that. So I think if it's relevant, if it's impactful and it can help execute your vision as a leader, it should be shared. That's really good advice, Scott. I'm going to get to our first community question now. Um, and just a reminder, I see some people with their hands raised, but they haven't used the Q&A function to ask their question. And I'm not smart enough to figure out how to call on you without the Q&A part. So if you can type your question in the Q&A, I can answer it live here with you and bring you on the show. Um, our first question here in the Q&A function at the bottom of Zoom is, uh, I have an old school consumer product, but... Oh, I'm going to just bring him on the show. Let's bring Dan on the show and uh, answer this live for you. Dan, we're going to unmute your audio so you can ask your question here live with Scott. If you could just uh, say your name and uh, what your business is, that would be great. So it looks like, yeah, there you're unmuted now. Hey, Matt. Hey, Dan. Can you hear me? Welcome to the show. Yeah, do you want to uh, say what your name is and sure. uh, what your function is and what you're doing? Yeah, if you don't... If I can be fully transparent, that'd be great. Uh, I'm Dan Gosling. I've, I've had a product on the market for a long time called Chop Saver, uh, a lip balm originally designed for musicians, but so superior in its formulation, we actually have a lot of a big fan base in the medical world. Um, so my question, and I'll just read the way I wrote it, was I have an old school consumer product, but it has both a medical component and we're obviously heavily reliant on tech for our marketing, might those attributes actually help me uh, in the current fundraising environment? Um, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I, I don't know exactly what the end goal is for your, like what the end in mind is from a fundraising standpoint. So I'll just speak in general. Um, sure. We could get into that if, if you really want to, but um uh, let, let me just speak in general right now. So it sounds like you're going to probably go for some type of raise here down the road. And there's an angle to a medical community that potentially might open some doors for you. Um, there's good and bad to that. Um, the, um, the bad first, um, micro venture and venture uh, in the healthcare space right now are, um, They're taking care of their own before they invest in others. Um, so they have an existing portfolio that they need to make sure that they've got enough capital for that they can help them through whatever crisis is, is uh, that individual business is going through. Um, so that's, that's, that's tough in that there's some VCs that they've just clamped down right now and they're not going to expand. Um, but I will say there's opportunity because those that haven't totally clamped down are looking for the absolute best founders and the best ideas that they can come in and they can help execute on. Um, uh, I was on a, a, a call today uh, with a healthcare company uh, out of Minneapolis and they're, and they're doing some crazy things right now to help the startup community. And healthcare, healthcare is really interesting because it's been such a laggard from uh, uh, investing in startups and inventing, investing in entrepreneurship that I think this will be the catalyst to just goose them really hard um, to start investing in potential early, early founders um, with outside of the typical either patient software, um, patient management, whatever it is. Um, they'll start investing in areas outside of those core spaces. 
So what that's going to do from a venture standpoint uh, and from an angel standpoint, it, it's going to open the, uh, it's going to open the lens for you. Um, I think if you've shown success from a musician standpoint, from an artist standpoint, and you have the opportunity to go in and show a similar early um, few steps. So, so if you can go in and say, listen, uh, I just started thinking about how this helps in healthcare and how it helps in the medical community. And I've started to see the same type of traction, the same trends that I saw in the artist community. I think that'll be huge for you. You'd be able to take that um, and you just be able to like um, show that you're one of those few companies that are showing growth in this uncertain time. Great answer, Scott. I'm going to keep this rolling. Our next uh, guest, our next attendee who has a question is Amanda, Amanda Alexander. Uh, when you here on the show, Amanda, welcome to Powder Keg Live. If you could introduce yourself and kind of say uh, what you do, that would be helpful. And then go ahead and ask your question. Hi, can you guys hear me? We can yes. hear you. Awesome. Um, my name is Amanda. Um, I work at a company in Indianapolis um, um, with or fellowship. Um, my question is during this time, our leadership has been um, very non-communicative with our teams and telling us how's we're, how we're doing as a company. Um, obviously, I am not currently a leader or a C-suite executive in my company, but I'm trying to, I guess, emulate and be the leader in the room I do not see. Um, what are some ways you would suggest that I can engage my company without stepping on toes or um, uh, being in a place that I'm not supposed to? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a great question. And some of the best ideas that will happen within your company and with every company right now are from individuals like you that are saying, okay, there's got to be somewhere that I can take my skill sets that I have and the hustle that I have and just put them to work of where I am right now. Um, it's happening all over. Um, I, I mean, I can, I, I could, if I had some time, I could look back to when we were having difficult times at Moby and I can point to the person, the idea and how they, I can tell you exactly how they executed it to get us to another level. And in almost all of those cases, um, there's always a much better success rate for ideas like that when it's coming out of a crisis like this. So having said that, Amanda, you're in the, you're in the absolute right train of thought. Um, instead of going top down with what you're thinking about though, because that's, if you're already have some executives that are in a silo trying to navigate this on their own without opening up to the rest of the organization, it's going to be really hard to crack that and you probably meet some resistance. That's okay. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just, they're trying to figure out what's going on and we're in the heart of this right now. Um, but by you working at it from the ground up and taking maybe a couple things that you've seen specifically from a customer's perspective. Now you could do it. You could go wide if you want to, and you could start engaging in nonprofit work. How are we going to help the folks that are truly affected by a crisis like this? How are we going to help our employees out? There are a lot of paths that you go down with nonprofit and those should be addressed in some way, but there's also the corporate and the sustainability components of your business that needs some attention too. So finding how a customer, uh, subset of customers, maybe one, your biggest customer, um, is using the platform right now or using your services right now and in a way, and like exponentially start to market that throughout your entire organization. Um, that will just cause a wave of good feedback, 
uh, emotions. It'll probably drive revenue, maybe in the short term, and maybe definitely in the long run. Um, but figure out one or two things that a great customer is doing and figure out ways that you specifically can get in there and expand on that and spread it throughout your organization. Really great question, Amanda. Thanks for asking that. Uh, our next question is from Barb Cotillo, uh, or Cotillo probably. Uh, I'm a lecturer at Kelly Indianapolis. Barb, I'm not sh I don't see you in the Q&A, so I don't know if I can bring you on. So I'll just ask your question for you. Uh, the question is, I teach entrepreneurship and innovation. I'm just curious about what your advice would be uh, to keep newer employees and frontline salespeople engaged during a time when everyone is distracted doing other things. Scott, any advice for that? Yeah. Um, not from a sales perspective, but uh, I have two businesses and we have around 70 employees and I'm trying to figure out a way to keep 65 of them busy right now. So I, I, I know that, but let's answer it from a, <laughs> from a sales perspective. Um, uh, so if they're new employees, um, new sales reps specifically, because I'm guessing that the veteran sales reps are busy, but they're new sales reps. So they're trying to create their own pipe and their own funnel um, and new sales reps. Um, I would encourage them to start thinking differently and I would encourage them to build on maybe existing gaps in their skill sets. I had this conversation with our Vogue team yesterday. Um, I, I, um, I asked that Vogue team um, to sign up for and complete some sort of online course. So I signed up for one and I'm completing a, a, a venture deals course uh, put on by the Kaufman fellows right now. Um, I've asked the person that is our general manager to put up, take a finance course. Um, and she's doing it along with another finance person. Um, I've encouraged them to uh, deviate from what their typical skill set is um, and expand on something that they want to learn about. And I've been uh, very transparent, like just telling them, you have to go do this. You really have no choice. You have to sign up for something. You have to fill the team in on what you're going to do. Um, and it might be outside of their comfort zone. It's definitely hard to do. Um, I've, I've even found that it's hard to do from a, from a just getting out, putting yourself out there and starting to learn something new, but it's really, um, it's incredible to see the team start to adapt to that because everybody gets behind it and everybody starts asking you how it's going. And it's something that everybody starts to stick to. Um, so maybe think about that. Think about how you can get them because you could throw it. I mean, the, the answer that everybody probably would give you is great. Have them get additional training, have them go through um, um, like live sales processes with you, but nobody wants to do that right now. Um, have them take a step back and think about what they could learn, what they could build upon with their existing role. That'll make them better for the other side of this. Great answer, Scott. Uh, our next question is from Chad. I want to bring Chad on the show. I think Chad's dialing in from Miami. Uh, at least that's where I last saw him was on tour with the Rise of the Rest um, with Steve Case. We, we grabbed some dinner after the pitches. Chad, welcome to the show. Can you hear us? Uh, I can. <clears throat> How are you doing, Matt? Doing great. Good to hear from you, man. How are you doing down there in Florida? I'm in Boca, and we're starting to get the epicenter now, so it's starting to get a little scary. Yeah. Hope you're staying safe, man. Here we are. It's 85 degrees, so I'm not complaining. Rub it in, man. We're here in the Midwest, so we have a sunny day today. We saw the sun today. Um, Chad, you want to uh, introduce yourself and then ask your question? 
Uh, yeah, my name is Chad Falkening. Um, still have a house in Indianapolis, born and raised there. Um, we have about 20,000 premium domain names. We're turning those into autonomous running companies. Uh, it's called Contrib. You can go to contrib.io, contrib.com. So we fractionalized ownership on the blockchain. Uh, Broadripple.com is one we might be bringing out pretty soon. Uh, and yeah, we're just kind of trying to figure out how we pivot into this new opportunity and new uh, reset, I'd say. So uh, that's what kind of what we're working on. And, and what's your question for Scott? Uh, if you were able to build a new impact company today without your current commitments, what would it be? And what are the two or three things that you would focus execution around? Great question. Uh, a social impact company? Is that the question? Yep. yep. Um, I would build it around education. Um, I think that this has created an incredible gap to those that, I mean, just go, go far to the spectrum, those that just don't have internet at their home. Um, those that don't have internet can't get e-learning, they can't get devices, they can't get um, the right kind of content. And it's just, it's just, there's a huge gap there. So um, I would do it in education. Um, and the few areas where I would have to ed execute on is I would, I would figure out, um, I would figure out the, the bandwidth and the internet connectivity um, issues by pushing harder and harder on the government subsidized programs that are currently out there and the companies that are, I, I just, I know of, I've been working close with Shepherd Community Center these last few weeks um, and their provide, Spectrum is going in and providing internet to um, 50 different families for free as a part of this. Um, we're helping get these kids tablets, the content's been donated. Um, I mean, this was an incredibly heavy lift for from dozens of people and for Spectrum to go in and do this, they're getting the, the government subsidies that they have, they should be doing this all the time. They should be doing this, not just as part of this crisis, but they should be putting broadband, they should be putting connectivity into all of these houses. So that's what, I, that's what I would do. I would rely on, um, I not rely on it, but I would really push um, the way that our tax dollars are going to work um, for people. I would make them give back in more ways that they haven't specifically designed around education. There's one really more great. too. Yeah, There's please keep, keep it going. Uh, and I want to start this. So if anyone wants to start it with me, let me know. Um, I think I talked to Jeb about this, uh, which probably a lot of you probably know Jeb. Um, I, uh, if you, if you follow along in the, the wellness apps that are out there, think like Noom, which is a weight loss app. Um, there's a few others that involve a uh, type of coaching. Um, and that coaching is typically AI driven. It's machine learning driven coaching, but then there is an element of a human interaction that happens. Well, I want to do that for, from a wellness, from a headspace perspective for C-level individuals or, or, or really, really anybody, anybody that potentially um, could, could benefit from a portion of great headspace, wellness, uh, light therapy, um, uh, and if you think it, when I was at, when, when I was leading Moby, if somebody would have come to me and said, Hey, there's all these employee, they're, they're employment engage, employee engagement app everywhere. But, um, but if you'd have come to me and said, Hey, here's a coaching tool that you can give to your entire, entire employee base, and it's going to help them 
achieve better headspace, better wellness. Um, uh, we're going to set goals. We're going to be able to share as a team. I would have signed up for that specifically from a CEO and from a leadership standpoint. If you could have given me something or an application that said my executive team could have had a coach, a wellness coach or a health or mindset coach that could have helped them. Um, I, I just, I know there's not enough of that happening in the world of startups and the world of entrepreneurship right now. So I need, I'd like to see more focus in that area. I love that idea, Scott. We, uh, we have a subscription to Calm on our team, which is a meditation app. And we do a group meditation together through the app every morning, which probably breaks some terms of service, but we're all subscribed to it. So we're paying them. So hopefully it's okay. Um, but we've seen huge benefit just in that. And the idea of adding some layer of coaching and, mm -hmm. and personalized sort of goal setting to that would be really exciting. So uh, when you're looking for beta testers for that, please let me know. Great. Um, I guess I have one last question for you, which is you mentioned the Vogue and your ownership of the Vogue, which is, of course, historic theater here in Indianapolis, where Powder Cake is headquartered and where Techstars um, with the Heritage Group is headquartered. It's actually where we had our last in-person event last month or two months ago at this point. And I'm curious to know your thoughts on those sort of in-person events uh, tourism, entertainment, you know, we've got people on the call from Miami, we've got people on the call from Nashville, every city has its own entertainment and tourism, restaurants are closed. Um, any, any advice for those kinds of businesses? And then on the flip side, mm. any advice for people who maybe are still working, how we can help support those? Because we all want to support our local community and make a, a good impact in our local community. How can we support that and keep that going in this time that right now seems indef pretty indefinite? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, and and I've, I've been trying to get my head around um, this entertainment segment of our industry um, from a small business perspective and what this does. Um, I'm not worried about Live Nation. I'm not worried about AEG. I'm not worried about concerts at White River. Um, I'm worried about the Vogue. I'm worried about Hi-Fi. Um, um, worried about venues in Fort Wayne and the Bluebird in Bloomington. Um, I'm worried about the restaurants um, that surround those areas in the Arts District that just have zero foot traffic right now. Um, I, I, and I, I hate to even speak freely and, and, and make predictions or guess because I'm tired of doing that um, and nobody wants to hear it. but when we slowly come out of this, um, the, the, the restaurants that unfortunately, uh, the, 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 well, there'll be restaurants that unfortunately just don't make it. And that's just, it just it drives me crazy that that's going to happen. But there are other restaurants that'll take advantage of some things to just barely get by. And then they're going to need something right away. Um, they're going to need our presence immediately to go back. So I've already told the kids, like, and I've told my wife, like, we're not going grocery shopping for two weeks after we're out of here. Like we're eating out every morning, every day, lunch, every dinner, uh, take out, whatever it is, we're out of the house when this comes up, because that's the time where everybody's going to open their doors and they're going to say, I mean, the, the average small business has $8,000 in the bank. It's not enough to get through six weeks. So when this comes up, they're going to say, all right, can we try and do this? Can we, can we get back on our feet? Let's just try it for a couple of weeks. Well, those couple of weeks is where everybody just needs to get out of the house and be careful, be sensitive, 
be cautious. It's going to be a new world, but we can get out and we can make a difference uh, to those bars, restaurants, and to those community establishments. It's going to be way harder from a Vogue perspective, Hi-Fi, a few other venues, because I think that the restrictions are going to be limited um, from a, a, um, a total gathering perspective. So I think that as these restaurant lifts come off, they may say, listen, don't gather in more than 100 or more than 50 or more than 250. Um, so we may feel it for a little bit longer. Um, so that just pushes our time frame out a little bit so that when that does get lifted, go see live music. Uh, uh, that'll be one way that we all get back into it and support your, support your local artists. I appreciate that. I will definitely take you up on that offer. I hope all of our listeners do too. And um, if you didn't get your question answered here on Zoom, or if you're watching the live stream on YouTube or our live stream on Facebook, please drop a comment below and we'll try to get answers to those questions for you. Uh, really appreciate you, Scott, sharing your wisdom, your insights, your experience. Um, I, before we uh, let you go, could you talk a little bit about what you're doing at Techstars right now at the Heritage Group? and how maybe people in the community could help with what you're doing. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for allowing me to do that. Um, yeah, so I, I became managing director for Techstars on January, or early January, and I'm gonna lead uh, uh, an accelerator here in Indianapolis that is sponsored by the Heritage Group. If you don't know who the Heritage Group is, they fly pretty far under the radar here in Indianapolis. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if you haven't heard of them. But they're a monster company, a family-owned business, excuse me, for almost 90 years. They have around 40 different operating companies globally. So two of those companies are publicly traded. They areas of focus that they live in um, are non-tech, they're hard tech, uh, they're industry 4.0, some deep tech. Um, think about areas like roads, infrastructure, sustainability, um, recycling chemicals, specialty material chemicals, um, the, the types of businesses that's a little bit foreign for tech stars to be a part of, but something that I'm finding quite a bit of success with. So um, what I do right now as a managing director for tech stars, I think I'm almost like a, like a recruiter, like a basketball recruiter. I'm trying to find companies to come take part and be on our team. We will put 10 companies through our accelerator starting September, mid-September uh, through mid-December. Uh, it's a mentorship-driven accelerator. So the, we'll take, uh, each company will meet with around 100 different mentors wow. that could potentially help their business. So it's, it's a lot to take, it's busy. Um, and then all the other um, sidecar, um, shotgun things that ride along with an accelerator, like looking at financial modeling, go-to-market, how to hire, when to hire, um, how's your product design, manufacturing, lab work, all those areas that happen with as part of a, uh, an existing accelerator happen. And then um, what, what, what we do, when we start to sprinkle in mentors to these startups, the true acceleration happens. So I'm excited right now, I'm looking for companies. If you know a great founder um, that's in uh, a space that aligns with one of Heritage Group's areas of focus, I'd love to talk to him if you think they might be a great fit. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. And we'll link those up in the show notes uh, for those of you who are listening to this in retrospective. So you can check that out on powderkeg.com. Scott, thanks again for being on the show. 
That's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, thanks to Scott Craigie, of course, from Techstars. Make sure you check him out over at techstars.com. Learn more about the program at the Heritage Group Accelerator. And for links to Scott's social profiles and the other people, companies, and resources mentioned in this episode, you can head on over to powderkeg.com and check out the show notes there. We've got it all linked up for you, so you can go check that out. You can check out some other episodes while you're at it. Um, We're going to be doing a lot more of these virtual events, and we've got a great lineup for you. So be sure to check out upcoming virtual events uh, so you can get linked up with the community here at Powder Keg, as well as learn from the experts and advisors and ask your question live on a show. So you can check that out over at powderkeg.com slash events. We're covering a ton of topics. Um, Specifically right now, we're covering a lot of the topics that have to do with coming through this economic recession that we're experiencing right now and dealing with the uncertainty that we're all trying to to learn how to move forward through. Uh, and again, you can check that out at powderkeg.com slash events. And if you have found yourself currently in the market looking for a new role um, or you're just interested in what else is out there, um, we have a platform for you to help get you matched up with a company where you will find work that you love and can really become your calling, your passion, uh, your career. And uh, we did that through our matches platform and you can find that at powderkeg.com slash jobs. It's absolutely free. Um, You can apply right there. It takes less than five minutes and we use your information to help match you up anonymously with uh, another company Um, protect your identity, of course, as we get you matched up with a number of hundreds of tech companies in the middle of the country that are currently hiring. So again, that's powderkick.com slash jobs. If you or someone you love or care about um, is looking for a tech job right now, please refer them our way and we'll get them linked up totally free. Uh, If your company is looking to get connected with some of that talent in our marketplace, uh, the Powderkick Matches platform can really help you do that and help you share your company culture and some of the attributes of your company culture with those professionals. You can do that absolutely free at powderkeg.com slash sign up. We have hundreds of companies that have already done this and uh, would love to help you get connected to some extraordinary talent today. And you can do that again at powderkeg.com slash sign up. And to be among the first to hear these stories, uh, like the one you heard today from Scott Craigie, from entrepreneurs, investors, inventors, innovators, people building remarkable things in areas decidedly outside of Silicon Valley. Subscribe to us on iTunes at powderkeg.com iTunes. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time on the Powder Keg Podcast. Mm-hmm.